Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, if that's our understanding of prayer, what good is that? And look at what our culture has done with prayer. Just take sports, just for an example. Okay, what do you guys call the play in football when your team is down, but you have possession of the ball? There's mere seconds left on the clock, and you have got to make a move. So you throw the longest, craziest Hail Mary to try in a desperate attempt to score, right? Or move it over to basketball. It's the same scenario, a few seconds left on the shot clock. You are way the heck out there, but you've got to do something. Nobody's open, so you throw up a, huh? Huh? Prayer. One person knows. You throw up a prayer as your last resort, your last option, in hopes that you can change the game. A Hail Mary throwing up a prayer. It's as if our culture looks at prayer as just desperation. It's just what you do when you have nothing else to do. And if that's what our understanding of prayer is, then yeah, I would say we haven't really come that far. We've been in a series around here called uh, Family Portrait. And in this series, we've been talking about different ways in which we can look like and act like our king, characteristics that will bring us into the family of God. And guys, I gotta tell you, you're not gonna look like Jesus if you don't sound like Jesus. And Jesus had this prayer thing figured out. So I wanna spend the next several minutes with you guys talking through the when and the where, the what and the how, and the why of Jesus' prayer life. Um, In this series, you know that we've been applying a fixture in the home to, to each of the values that we talk about. So like in the first week, we talked about how To come into the family of God, to get to know Jesus better, first you just have to walk through the door, right? Then we talked about being adopted and how you're a part of this family now, so flop yourself down in the big comfy chair. You belong here. Then acceptance. What does it mean to be a part of this family? Well, it means, first of all, you've got a place at the table. So pull up a chair and enjoy the blessings. And then last week we talked about assurance. And how you can be assured that this is for real and this is for you and a masterpiece is taking shape. Well, this week we're gonna start a new chapter in the series. We know now that we're in the family, and that's great, but there's still some things that we need to work on. There's some things that we need to learn. And so tonight, as we tackle the discipline of prayer from the life of Jesus, I want you guys to think of your phone. Now, the phone has been a fixture in every home in our country for decades, and I personally can remember this type of phone right here. When I was in junior high and I was going to have a phone conversation that I did not want my little brother to listen to, I would have to take the phone off the wall and stretch out the crazy spirally cord, some of you adults know what I'm talking about, get all the knots out, stretch it as far as it would go without coming unplugged, and try to get into the hallway closet and shut the door. Then, this was pretty great. When I was in high school, we got our first cordless phone. You guys, I could make it all the way out to like the middle of my backyard before it would start crackling and I'd lose the connection. It was awesome. But you guys don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? No. 
Because by the time you were born, everybody you knew had a cell phone. That's right. You no longer had to stay at home attached to the wall to have your important conversations. You could talk to your people anytime, anywhere. When and where did Jesus pray? He prayed all the time, and he prayed everywhere. Jesus' prayer life didn't have this desperation to it. He didn't pray as a last resort or when he was out of options. He prayed in the good and the bad, happy or sad, on water or land. I'm going to stop rhyming. Um, Luke 6, 5.16, it gives us one example. It says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. So when did he pray? Often. Where? Lonely places or quiet places. But that's just one example. All throughout the Gospels, we see examples of Jesus' prayer life. We see that he didn't just pray uh, in lonely places. Sometimes he in a, prayed in a garden, on a mountaintop, in a boat, and even more. He didn't always just pray by himself either. Sometimes he prayed with a few disciples, sometimes with all of them. He even prayed right smack in the middle of a crazy big crowd. The point of this is that there's no perfect time There's no perfect place when it comes to prayer. There's no formula for the when and the where. You can pray anytime, any place. So if you're trying to talk with somebody and they say that they need prayer right then, don't wait. You'll probably forget. Stop right where you are, right in that moment, and pray with them. And I know that that may seem awkward or even scary, but try it just once. And see if your confidence in your prayer life doesn't rise a little bit. Now, some of you may be saying, okay, I get it. I get it. I can pray anytime. I can pray anywhere. It's just like having a phone conversation. But what do I say? Hey, if the what is your big question, let me first tell you this. You're in good company. In Luke chapter 11... We see Jesus' disciples, his closest friends, asking the exact same question. And in Matthew chapter 6, we get Jesus' complete answer. This is what he says. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In essence, here's how Jesus answers the what question. First of all, he tells us to recognize God for who he is. He is great. He is mighty. He is glory. He is good. All of these things. Give him praise. Second, Lay out your needs before him. Ask him to provide. Is it food? Is it health? Is it wisdom? Is it a date on Friday night? Whatever it is, let him know that. And then ask him for pardon or forgiveness. Ask him to forgive you for the wrong things that you've already done. And then ask him to give you protection or strength so that you don't do it again. Now, like I said, there's no perfect formula for prayer. So you can add to this whatever else you want to say to your father. But if you're just looking for a place to start, following Jesus' example is a pretty good one. 
And Jesus' what was praise, provision, pardon, and anybody catch it? No? What? Praise, provision, pardon, and protection. Protection, good. Those are the what's. Now let's talk about the how. I recently read a devotion. It was talking about a teenage girl, a kingdom worker, who had just returned from a mission trip to a developing country. And she was asked, what are you going to remember most about this trip that you were on? And her answer was weird. (laughs) This is what she said. She said, I will never forget that it was on this trip when I learned how easy it is in our culture to answer our own prayers. She goes on to say, you see, here in America, we bow our heads, we say grace, and we ask God to give us our daily bread. Then we hop into our cars, run down to the grocery store, and we buy a loaf or two. Then we ask God to keep us safe and warm. Then we buy top-of-the-line security systems for our homes and cars, and we crank up the furnace whenever we start to feel chilly. It is so easy in our culture to provide the answer to our own prayers. But the people I met on this trip, they pray that God will give them their daily bread, not knowing if they will feed their family that night. Their prayers are real. Their prayers are bold. They ask God for things only he can provide. Now, I have to admit, I never really thought about this concept before. I stopped asking the how question a long time ago. I thought I knew how to pray. But it turns out I needed a different perspective. And that's what I want to challenge you guys with tonight. We need to pray those bold prayers for things that only he can answer. We get so stuck in our rut of the, please, Lord, keep me safe and warm and well-fed, the end. But Ephesians chapter 3, 20 and 21 tells us that God can do things we can't even dream of. It says he'll even answer the questions we're hesitant to ask. This tells me that we need to pray dangerous prayers. We need to pray exciting prayers. We need to pray that God will do great things that could only come about by his great strength. These are the kind of prayers that Jesus would have prayed before healing a blind man or before approaching a non-believer. These are bold prayers. These are kingdom worker prayers. And that's how we should be praying. Finally, let's talk about the why. Let's face it. Jesus is God, right? So it's kind of confusing why he would be praying in the first place. Does he need to pray for power? No. He had so much power inside of him that a woman was healed simply by touching his clothing. Does he need to pray for food? No. He took two fish and five loaves of bread and fed over 5,000 people. I'm pretty sure he can feed himself. Jesus was and is part of the Trinity. He came from heaven. He went back to heaven. He's going to bring heaven to earth in the coming days. So why then did he feel the need to pray? To illustrate this point, I want to share just a quick video with you guys. So take a look at this. Our Father in heaven. 
Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this <laughs> our daily bread and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debt. Lead us not into but deliver us from ego. For yours is the kingdom and power and glory for Amen. You just witnessed my two-year-old son, Carson, saying what he can of the Lord's Prayer with his daddy. So basically what you just witnessed is the cutest thing of all time ever. <laughs> but seriously though, why, why does this toddler pray? Does he need to pray to have his needs taken care of? No, I've got that covered for him right now. Does he need to pray for forgiveness? Mm, he can't even say forgiveness, so no, not yet. Why does he pray? He prays because he gets to crawl up into his daddy's lap and receive acceptance and strength and value and identity and love. He prays because it's an important part of an important relationship with his father. You see, for all the things that Jesus still had with him when he was on earth, there was one thing that he desperately missed, and that was his father. He went from being intrinsically connected to being worlds apart, and it was hard. So prayer was his lifeline. It was a part of an intimate and important relationship. And guys, if it was that important to Jesus, it has to be that important to us. So let's review. Pray. When? Anytime. Where? Anywhere. Pray. What? Praise. Provision. Pardon. Protection. How? With boldness. Pray. Why? Because we've been invited into an intimate and important relationship with our Father. So why not? Why? Because it was important to Jesus. And guys, we can't look like Jesus if we don't sound like Jesus. Why? Because kingdom workers speak like their king. So let's do it. Right here, right now, with boldness, let's sound like our king and join with him in connecting with our father. Let's pray. Father, we do glorify you for who you are and the way that you have created everything within us. We thank you for everything that you've provided us with. You've given us all that we need. And so what we ask you more than anything else is that you just continue to mold us into who you want us to be. Fill us up with boldness so that we're not afraid to speak your name, that we're not afraid to come alongside a sister or a brother in need and do whatever we can for them 
even if it's at the expense of our reputation, even if it's at the expense of our wallet, whatever it is, it doesn't matter because it's for you. It's about you. So make us bold. And Father, if you're calling some of these people even further than just their neighborhood, if you're calling them to something that feels even bigger, then give them the boldness for that too. We just don't want to stay the same. Prayer is a big deal, and it should change us. So we invite you to begin that process in us tonight. We ask your forgiveness for all the times when we've said no. We're not going to do that, or we're not going to go there. Forgive us for just standing frozen. And again, just push us to move, to be different, to stand out, to do something more. Give us the strength to not remain in our fear, but to continue in the mission that you've given us. We are so thankful for this place where we can be surrounded by people who are like-minded and who have the same passion and the same desire to serve you. And I pray that that would be an encouragement to every single one of us to know that we're not alone. We're never alone. We're excited to see what more you're going to do with the students in this room and therefore around the world. And it's in your amazing, gracious name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.